0: Field Notes Brand, USA-made memo books and other products, including seasonal limited editions. Visit FieldNotesBrands.com or 400 North May in Chicago. It is the Chicagoverse Unlimited podcast, featuring interviews of the premier artists and industry in the Chicago music community. My name is Haima Black. I host this podcast at DynastyPodcast.com. This week, Elias Malin. Recorded during a live Google Hangouts interview. Here's how that sounds. Hi, Black here for Dynasty Podcasts over Google Hangouts, and I'm here with Elias Malin. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. <laughs> yeah, man. It's been kind of tired, but okay. <laughs> we were talking before, um, before we turned the cameras on that you and I have not seen each other since JVTV a year ago when Kilhanna played there for New Heart. Right. That's right. It that was
1: a little over wow, yeah. A Little over a year now. Crazy. Yeah, it it's a lot cool warmer
0: like in LA. Is that where you're at right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, you picked the right time so, to be uh,
1: out. I think so. <laughs> um I'm heading to uh Nam in a few days, so I'm going to check out uh a lot of cool stuff there, I think. So, this should be really? fun, but like do no. now. <laughs> What are you doing there? No, like uh, the National Association of Music Merchants. Oh, <laughs> Okay. No, right. I have I have not been there.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Um, well, that sounds very cool as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, well, awesome, man. So let's kind of let's kind of get into some of this stuff because I wanted to chat with you tonight because you have had I feel like some really busy years, the last few years. It feels like you're always on the go. You've always got something going on. Has it, has it really been as busy as it kind of looks like from the outside?
1: I mean, honestly, no, like I, I never really feel like I'm worked that hard at all. Um, (laughs) uh, But I guess when I stop and think about it, um, I guess I have been on, I mean, I stay on tour pretty
0: much all, all year long. So yeah, I guess I am. (laughs) Yeah, man. I think you're just being modest. I think you've been. I, I think it's been a busy couple of years for you. And I want to talk about all the stuff that you've had going on recently. But you know, I don't think we've ever really kind of gone into your background on the podcast. So like, how did you get started with music? How did that start happening for you? Like, you know, how old were you? What's what's kind of the backstory there?
1: Well, I started playing music at age four. I was playing, playing piano. Then I played saxophone from like. I think age 8 to 10. And then I switched over to drums at 11, and I kind of you know, made a choice at age 11, pretty young, that I just wanted to play drums, and that was going to be my job, I guess. So um, I pretty much started uh, bands in Phoenix when I was 16. And um, I started playing with Kilhanna when I was 24. So, you know, I was kind of doing lo- uh, a lot of local stuff in Phoenix and, like, smaller tours and stuff like that. And then uh, Kill Hannah was my first, like, real
0: band. I mean, that's crazy, though, man. I mean, 24 is really young, you know, to join, you know, an established, experienced outfit like Kill Hannah. And, you know, were your, were your parents, you know, supportive this whole time? It sounds like they were. You were starting with piano at, like, age four.
1: Yeah, I mean, my I mean, my parents were super cool. They they always uh, they just let me do whatever I needed to do to I guess make it in music. Like, I pretty much lived with my parents up until about seven months ago, <laughs> always always crashing at their house in between tours and stuff a lot. So yeah, they were amazing and they had they had helped helped me out my late teens, early twenties, where I could still like live full, full time at the house and stuff like that. So I could only focus on music. If I didn't have them and their help, I, I wouldn't be able to do anything.
0: (laughs) You know, man, I think a lot of artists do the thing where they stay at home. They live with their folks for a little while and it's not something that's talked about, but I think that that happens Mm -hmm. a lot more than people think because when you're on tour, like let's say seven months out of the year, Oh yeah. In sense to pay for an apartment. Right.
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, and now you don't really make a lot of money at this either. So, you know, um, back like in the 80s, people who would tour, you know, they could, you know, make a zillion dollars and buy houses and stuff. And now with the way that the industry is, everyone's kind of scraping by. So, you know, to have parents or even friends for people like, I mean, a lot of my friends that tour, they... You know, a lot of people think that they have a lot of money and own like a mansion or something, but they crash at their friend's house and they don't even have a place. So, yeah, um, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, it's happening probably
0: ninety percent of the time. Has the touring side of things been hit as badly as the recording side? Because obviously, recording music, recorded music, you know, yeah. totally just suffering. You know, but the it seems like certain artists. You know, maybe it's just smoke and mirrors. It seems like certain artists can make money on the tour side, but that's not really the case for everyone, is it?
1: Uh, no. In fact, actually, I'd say that a lot of artists now tour to either break even or, you know, I know artists that lose on the road. Um, I think it's kind of the the snowball effect of if no one's buying albums, then a label wants to take money from your touring side, from your merch, and it's just kind of a snow snowball effect. And, you know, everything is being hurt more and more each year. So it gets tougher and tougher and tougher. I know I'm not really painting a, a fun picture of, <laughs> of everything, but, um, you know, uh, I think that the good side, you know, as everything kind of falls, is that it weeds out a lot of people who kind of wanted to do this to just be famous or, you know, I don't know why, but so people that still do music at this point, I think, are the real players, are the real artists that have something to say. So you know, money is not even that much of a factor as it used to be. You know, you know, maybe like in the '80s or '90s when it was like uh, that's all anyone cared about uh, for the most part, and people wanted to be a big rock star and make a lot of money. So you know, man, it's but yeah, so- overall, everything's hurting. It's 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 pretty
0: bad. Like it's not like funny funny, but it's funny you're bringing this up because I remember. Greg Corner, obviously you're a bandmate in Kilhanna. When we did the final interview with Kilhanna for Local 101, when Q101 Radio was going off the air, we did a final interview with Matt and Greg. Mm -hmm. Matt was on the phone. Greg was in the studio. And I think it was after the mics were off, but maybe it was during the actual recorded interview. And Greg said something that's Mm -hmm. always separate. He said, now that there's no more money in this, the only people who are going to be left are the people who love doing this or are stupid enough to do it for their life everybody who was in this to make money, they're going to bail. And dude, so many people are gone from the music side of things that I have seen right. over the last decade. Now that it's, you know, you have to be very savvy, very creative, and very hungry to, like you said, either break even or just kind of stay in the game. And I think a lot of people are like, hey, man, there's easier ways to go make money. And they bailed. Right.
1: No, yeah, I mean, you know... uh, something with Kill Hannah is we got to tour with everybody, like everyone from all styles of music. And uh, as Kill Hannah kept going on and on, we would see so many uh, of our friends in other bands, you know, quit, you know, not, not be able to make ends meet and move on to, you know, other ways, other avenues to make uh, an income. And that's not to say that they weren't, uh, you know, in love with music. It's just, It's just that um, you know. I think at a point, this is just such a lifestyle, and you know, uh, a a choice. You know, when when people grow up, you know, they want to get married and have kids, and you know, a lot of times, unless you're uh, just a really huge, huge, huge artist, that is like you can't really sustain a family on this uh, lifestyle. So, you know, other people kind of move on from it. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's absolutely right. It's for me, playing playing drums is just what I have to do. I don't know how to do anything else. So uh, I kind of made that choice at age 11, and I stuck stuck with it.
0: So <laughs> I, I guess I'm kind of stuck in it now. You know, man, I, I hear you. I, I literally remember making the decision at, like, age 12 that I wanted to do radio. And, and that you know, you could right. argue that oh, this is some form of radio. But, like, it wasn't based on anything. I didn't know what you would make you know, in terms of it being a living, I didn't know the mechanics of it. I was just like, I want to go into broadcast. I want to do that kind of thing. I made it at age 12. I'm 31 now. So it's like, this is where I am. This is the car that I'm in. I'm going to drive it. Right. Yeah. I
1: mean, you have to, you have to just own it, you know? And, and, uh, you know, that's great that you're in love with what you do and, you know, it's just like I was saying, this is just your, your passion. It's something that you have to do, it's almost not so much even a choice. I guess it's just it's just ingrained in you. So, yeah. I guess the uh, the
0: the making a lot of cash just sort of is out the window. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, you know, I don't want this to be a downer interview, but I'm going to ask this right, question. Right, that's right. I'm sorry, I'm screwing no, it up. No, no. My question is going to be: I think a lot of people play it off on Instagram, on social media, and stuff like that. Like, all of this is just an absolute, you know, like, it's all just spring breakers. You know what I mean? It's all just this never-ending party. Right. What is the reality of getting on the road, of being a touring musician professionally in, the, in you know, 2013, 2014? What are some of the, the harder elements that people don't see, you know, for, you know, for people who want to go out and do this, that maybe they know what the reality of this is? You
1: know, uh, I've been touring very n- nicely the last four or five years. So um, I am lucky (laughs) that, uh, that, you know, I mean, every day I'm so happy that there's, you know, food out there like in a dressing room and it's super nice. And, uh, but I can tell you that um, unless you're in the, I guess, upper echelon of touring, a lot of it is, you know, is just a grind. It's not spring, spring break. It's a lot of work. You are loading your own gear. You're your own tech you know, you're driving your own van. It's much like being on a road trip with, like, your friends, but you don't really get to have that much fun <laughs> because <laughs> you're constantly thinking about trying to sell merch, and, you know, and you know, it just gets very, very draining. So when a lot of people think it's a party every night, if you party every night, you're going to be too exhausted to work the rest of the week, you know? So um, I think that on social media, you know, people make make it look like oh we're just hanging out you know all we have to do is play is play a show and that's it there's about eight or nine hours of work that goes into that one hour show that you might play so and you know in rock music uh, a lot of the rock bands um are doing those eight
0: nine hours of work themselves and then going out and playing that show you have been touring how long have you been touring now like for your life like how long have you been on the road Uh, i am
1: Uh, I mean, I tour about nine, nine to 10 months a year and I've been uh, touring since I was 24. Uh, I am 32 years
0: old now, about to be 33. No, I was just going to say, how have you seen it change since that time? Like, you know, is it, is touring now the same as it was back when you started out at age 24?
1: It's weird because, um, depending on the artists I would tour with, you know, I guess that each, each artist that I would move to would be, a, a, you know, I guess, I don't want to say it like this, but financially a little bit more successful than the previous one. So yeah. as the industry went down and down and down, um, my luxury of touring was going up and up and up. Um, but I can tell you that something that I would base things on was merch sales. <laughs> about, like, uh, you know, to, to kind of get a gauge of where the industry was heading. And there was a time we're making, you know, for a smaller band, like, you know, making three to five grand a night in merch was not out of the question. And a lot of bands are really stoked to make five to six hundred dollars. That has been a yeah. real major change I've seen, which, you know, merch, as a lot of people know, is how a band can live. Kill Hannah, we we lived off of our merch. That's how we paid our rent. That's how we, you know, paid for things. And that was such a huge part of the band. And with less and less people going to shows and spending the money, you know, I mean, even if someone goes to a show, they don't even want to buy a shirt anymore. Or, you know, they have just enough to buy some drinks and then go to a bar af- afterwards. So that is a, a huge, you
0: know, thing I've seen a lot that uh, it's 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 scary, you know. Well, you know, you you mentioned you joined Kilhanna, and I think that was what, like 2006 when you joined them? Is that yes. correct? Yes. So, Absolutely. I didn't know it had been that long, man. It's crazy to think that. Does it feel like yesterday, or does it feel like a long time ago that that happened, that you first joined up with Kilhanna when you were kind of a, a fresh faced kid, sort of?
1: To them, it, it, um, the new guy. You know, I'll always be that new guy in the band. <laughs> um, I mean,. You know, it's weird, like, those guys, uh, it's like a glove that just fits. So, I mean, I guess it feels kind of, you know, old. But, I mean, I, I love it every day. But, you know, I definitely feel like I've been in that band for a while. And, and it was nice because with the Roxy show that we just played in L.A., I kind of got to be the leader of that show. I kind of made it all happen. And, you know, so I really, you know, felt like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm really in this band and it feels like I've been here for a while yeah man you but they think i off. just
0: joined like a week ago you know <laughs> i get ragged. but it, i mean now we're closer yeah. to like your, the decade point that you've been in that band than you know than further away from it so uh how was the roxy show i didn't get to go yeah that. no no you know i know that Kilhanna had oh not it was as much the last year so
1: right Sorry. right no that show was a blast i mean I mean, uh, it was you know I love those guys so much. So whenever we get to hang out and play, it's it's always so much fun. And that and that was a show that we didn't have a, a lot of expectations for. We just wanted to get up as friends and play songs that we love. So I mean, the show was packed. Um, I mean, it seemed like everyone uh, that we knew in LA was out there. So it was just it was just a lot of fun. It was a party for sure, and it wasn't as stressful as our New Heart for Christmas shows. Because when we do those every year in Chicago, there's always so much prep that that we have to do. Because we make like a weekend out of it, as yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, with something like this, it wasn't like the stress of, okay, we have to learn or re relearn a bunch of old songs that, that we haven't played in years or something. This was just sort of like, let's play what, what we know, what we used to tour on a lot, and have fun and no stress. So... It was. It was probably the most. Uh, it was probably one of the most enjoyable
0: shows that we got to play in a long time. What's the difference between playing a show in you know a city like LA versus Chicago? Because on the one hand, they're both huge markets. You know, neither one of them is a small, okay. small city, a small market. You know, for industry and mm-hmm. artists. But on the other hand, LA is LA. You know, like, there's no denying that. So, right. kind of like, what kind of difference do you see in the audience in the um, execution of all these kind of things when you're doing a show in L.A. versus a show in Chicago.
1: I would say every L.A. show is very tame, even though when we just played, the crowd was freaking out. It was, you know, it was kind of a shock because the majority of people that live in L.A. are artists and musicians themselves. So they're kind of, you know, jaded like everyone else. <laughs> so whenever they're at a show, they kind of just hang out and watch, and that doesn't really mean that they're not having a good time. It's just I've seen thousands of shows, and for whatever reason, I just kind of like to watch now, you know instead of uh just jump around and try to you know hop on stage and be crazy so <laughs> I would say that you know everyone in the audience in l a is living in l a to pursue something in the first place, <laughs> so right. you're you're not gonna get like a lot of you know. Uh, people swinging from the rafters and, you know, and being super crazy. So you can always expect sort of a nice, chill time <laughs> when playing a show in L.A. But Kill Hannah, actually, we did one time play a show at, at the Whiskey in 2006, which sort of didn't feel like an L.A. show. You know, these kids were, like, climbing on each other, and it was it was one of the craziest shows of that, of that year. Uh, so aside from that show, I'd say they're kind of tame.
0: Well, you know, I know that Hannah obviously is not the only rock band that you, have you know, spent time in, performed with. I know you've done a number of acts, Hollywood Undead, you know, Filter, many, many others. How do you, as an artist, how does one pursue connecting with other projects, being involved in multiple artistic, uh, you know, bands and musical ventures and all these kind of things? Like, so I know not everybody knows how to break out and how to expand and, and connect with different different creative outlets and people. How are you able to do that?
1: You know, I wish I had a good answer. It wasn't a conscious thing. I mean, like like we were saying earlier that there's not a lot of money in this. So, it, you know, it weeds people out that wanted to be famous or, you know, or rich or something. So I got into this because, well, I mean, I love music and drums and I like to hang out and have fun, you know, always being on tour. I just have a lot of fun. So I've just made a lot of friends. You know, it was never a conscious, like I'm going to, you know, schmooze or network or do any of that. I just hung out, you know, having a great time. And then from that, um, you know, if things opened up, someone that I was friends with, you know, would think of me and be like, oh, well, we need a guy, you know, I, you know, I know this guy who I toured with, you know, a year ago or something, and I think he'd be a great fit. So whenever I've gone to audition or try out, it's just very smooth and it just sort of happens. You know, I, I want to give, you know, some, some sort of answer, like, you know, if you practice really hard and then you go out and move to LA and like network or, you know, it's going to happen, but It's it's weird. It's so random how I've gotten calls for gigs and stuff like that. And uh, you know, it's 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 really always been through friends. You know, however a person makes friends, just by hanging out. And you know, um,
0: I think I'm a pretty nice guy. So, well, I was gonna say, man. I mean, clearly, like you know, obviously you're performing with your friends. These are people you know. These are people you connect with on a really positive emotional level and professionally. But this is definitely a business Mm -hmm. for you. And I think not every artist is comfortable treating their craft, their art, their music, their work as a business. Like, was that something that you knew how to do right off the bat? Or how do you find that balance? Was it difficult for you?
1: No, you know what? And I know what you're saying because it might appear that way from from the outside. The way that I've kind of looked at this is not a business. You know, a lot of people say, When you start working in the music industry, you have to think of it like a business. And um, I actually just did the opposite. (laughs) There were, you know, at times, you know, if there was like a one-off gig or like studio work or something, because I was looking to have a good time and money wasn't a motivation at first. It was just, hey, I like to play drums and hang out. Um other people kind of talk talk themselves out of doing a gig. So I was sort of the last man standing where I was always around like I would rather not play no, I'm sorry. I would rather play drums than be at home not playing drums. So if you have 50 bucks to pay me, I'll just do it for 50 bucks. So um that's not really a business sense. <laughs> that or I mean it's not a you know a smart one at least because, because you know uh You know, at first, you know, you're getting paid like 50 to 100 bucks to play a show or something. So, um, I, like I said, I, I'm just kind of waiting for the day where I can't find a gig (laughs) and then I have to go to college and get a real job. So that's how I kind of look at this whole thing. It's just, I'm still just a big kid having fun. I don't think I'm, uh, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've figured anything out on how to make this work. It's just by luck. At this, at this point that I might join up with this group or this group or, you know, or this group. You know, uh, so maybe by not treating it as a business, it's helped a lot. And everyone that I've played with is always a friend first or is friends of friends. In fact, I'm, uh, uh, I'm just about in a few weeks, I'm about to head out on a tour with a new uh, pop group, which is, I mean, they're great. They're called MKTO. And uh, my friend Adam Ross has been playing with them. So that's how I met them. And, you know, um, we're going to head out on tour and have a good time. So I never kind of walked around saying, well, it's a business and I got to find my next paycheck and stuff. I, I, I still just hang out. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I had a good answer for all this. I just don't.
0: <laughs> no, no, man. I think it's a great answer because whether you want to admit it or not, it seems like the secret to your success is being a nice guy and, like, being genuinely nice. It's not forced. It's not nice for the sake of getting something from people. You're just a legitimately nice dude, and no, that has no. been the key that's opened a lot of doors for you, it seems.
1: I mean, I guess so. I mean, I never, just as you said, I never befriended anyone to sort of get anything out of them. It was always just because, you know, I wanted to hang out even when I was in bands, uh, back in Phoenix and just local bands, I, you know, I love the hanging out aspect and, you know, um, I love hanging out with the bands I was playing in and like other, you know, friends, bands in town. So that to me was all part of the lifestyle along with
0: playing music and being poor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. I think a lot of people can relate. Let's talk about Kesha. That's one of the big ones. I didn't want that to dominate the conversation, um, oh, okay. but still a huge deal. You know, that's that's obviously an enormous accomplishment. How did that happen? Where you became the drummer? You know, you know who's been able to tour and perform with Kesha for the last few years?
1: Yeah. Well, um, at the time, uh, one of my uh, closest friends, uh, Brian Pomp, he was a sound guy, and um, he was doing sound for her uh, right as her first song, TikTok came out. And, uh, and that song, you know, obviously blew up and, you know, was, was like one of the biggest songs of that year. And then they, re- they released the second song, which was, uh, blah, blah, blah. And they, and they needed to form a band because, you know, she was doing like, uh, pro- uh, promo stuff and, you know, smaller tours. And, um, and uh, and they needed a full band at that at that point. So Brian had just called me, and said, uh, you know, hey, I want you to come down and play American Idol uh, with uh, this new artist I'm working with. So I uh, I was like, yeah. I mean, I play in you know in heavy bands. I never. I was like, when am I ever going to do American Idol? That's you know, this is you know, this would be a lot of fun. And then I met her. And then we totally hit it off. And since then, you know, she's one of my closest friends. So, you know, I just sort of, we kind of never left each other's side after that. You know, and I mean, now I've been with her for four years, almost four years. It'll be four years in March.
0: So, I mean, that's yeah, crazy. and she's so much fun too. Well, yeah, and that was, that was going to be one of my questions. It's like, you know, going back to the theme of like, you know, perception versus reality, you would imagine going on tour with Kesha, performing with Kesha, being part of that operation. Is it a non-stop party or is it, you know, is there very much a lot of work involved or is it 50, 50? How does that break down behind the scenes? I'll, I'll say this
1: pop pop artists or I, you know, I guess uh, people in the pop world, they work so hard. Um, there's so many other things that they have to do that, you know, rock, rock bands don't do. And with the, uh, with a, a, a pop artist, there's only one of them. So right. in in Kill Hannah, you have five guys that you could, you know, split up interviews all day or something. With Kesha, she's got to do all of them, you know. I mean, she she works day and night. I've just seen, you know, it's like it's just a whole new world. I mean, you know, touring rock bands and then seeing the whole pop side of things. I mean, I think that the more you learn uh, about that part of the music world is that um, even if you don't like someone's music, like if you don't like Rihanna or something, you have to respect her because these people are just working insane hours and photo shoots and interviews. And there's so many more outlets uh, um, that they have to work with to reach more people because it is pop. It's not, it's not like a, uh, you know, like a really heavy rock band that says offensive stuff. So there's only a few, uh, press things that they can do. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really insane. We definitely party, though, um, but it's uh, its timed accordingly. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot more work.
0: Yeah, that's so what I was going to say. I feel like, especially where we are now in the last few years, I feel like pop has become this huge kind of tsunami wave in the music industry. Pop is so big right now, you know, and everything comes mm-hmm. and goes in waves. I feel like rock, you know, I don't want to say rock isn't blowing up, but I think pop is much bigger. Just if you look at like the traditional methods of measuring, you know, kind of success and and what's getting in front of people, do you see, you know, being out with a pop project, a pop act, you know, pop artist, is it, is everything bigger? You know, is the scale of everything bigger? Is more attention paid to a lot of things that, people probably wouldn't measure in, you know, a rock band in 2014.
1: Uh, Yeah, because I think that pop turned into rock and rock turned into pop. And what I mean by that is if you look at the pop artists now, they're all, like, a lot of them are edgy. You know, um, something about Kesha is that she's an extremely edgy artist. Um, You know, she says a lot of things that a lot of people, you know, may be afraid to say at times. And uh, you look at a lot of rock artists and they're safe and they sound stale. Like a lot of these new rock bands to me are just really stale or, you know, just like a cheap copy of an imitation. And pop seems to be where music is inspired right now. So to me, I look at what I'm doing with Kesha as the current rock and roll. She's out there saying some, you know, wild stuff and a lot of the rock bands, that I see, they look like they're your substitute teacher from fourth grade. And you're like, that's not, you know, rock, rock stars were supposed to look like, you know, Manson and Trent. And, you know, now they look
0: like, I don't know, (laughs) but. Yeah. uh, I think think artists like Kanye and Miley and, and Kesha, you know, they've definitely got a different kind of edge than, yeah, a lot of rock artists. I mean, Kanye West, I think is, you know, that's a ferocious, raw Uh artists compared to a lot of rock artists right now versus when you and I were growing up, you know, artists like Manson, artists like, you know, Nine Inch Nails and Smashing Pumpkins. Mm -hmm. There were all these, you know, acts that were very hungry, very edgy, very raw. And it's been like that for Mm -hmm. decades, you know? And, but yeah, I think that energy is definitely in some other genres right now.
1: Right. Right. All that energy to me is in pop. So that's what I meant. You know, when I was like, you know, pop is now rock. And rock has gone so bland and, you know, and there's not a, like a message in there. And there's not, I don't even know what a lot of these current rock bands stand for exactly. You know, is you know, it's such a, I've, I've been let down by a lot of rock music that's come out in the last recent years, you know. Um, and I find myself mainly listening to, I guess, what's more considered pop music or electronica in the last so so many years and uh uh you know greg from Kilhanna has turned me on to tons of music and and stuff and um it's it's mainly all pop and electronic based so um yeah i think that's what's kind of happened with rock is that the rock bands themselves ruined it some rock bands even sound like a country band now uh but yeah but that but that energy is just not in those bands and uh I mean, I I hope it, you know, starts
0: over again at some point, but it's not looking good. Well, let's talk about something else you've done that I think is really, really cool. And I don't know that I've ever gotten to really ask too many people about this. You know, you've done stuff like performance at night live. You've done stuff like, you know, American Idol, Jimmy Kimmel, Conan O'Brien. And that's just a handful of kind of these big, visible, you know, nationally televised kind of appearances you've been able to perform as part of, you know, with some of the various groups that you've you've gone out with Mm. What is that experience like how different is it you know playing seven net live versus playing the metro here or something like that like take us kind of through that once
1: once again i i don't really have a good answer because i look at everything as just another show you know at times when i've been on set at a place like snl or been on stage for like something like rock and rio or something like that a lot of times other people I play with, it kind of hits them and they'll look around and be like, wow, you know, we're, we're here or something. I've just kind of been like, oh yeah, it's just, it's just a show. We're just going to have fun. I think I've adopted that attitude. So I wouldn't get freaked out by playing, (laughs) you know, because SNL is live. If you screw up, you, you screw up, you know? So I think to, um, sort of look at things like, oh, my God, you know, we're, we're about to play in front of X amount of people to uh, to playing at the Metro or places smaller, you know, um, I kind of look at everything as the same thing. So I don't get stage fright. So I don't freak myself out. So I, I try to just ignore where, where I am and what I'm doing until maybe after the fact and then go, oh, yeah, I guess it was cool. I played SNL or something like that. <laughs> you know, that's that's just kind of, you know, I used to, re- you know, I used to get very bad stage fright when I was like 18 and 19 playing, you know, really large shows, which for me at the time, were like a thousand kids or something. So I would get, you know, so scared. So I kind of took the value out of things and be like, oh, you know, I could be in like in front of five kids or something and it's still the same. Uh, so I wouldn't get scared.
0: <laughs> so that's the way to look at it, man. I really do. I think that you're smart with that.
1: Well, oh well, thank you. I mean, you know, I guess you know, I was I was actually just recently watching um, this iHeartRadio thing that uh, Kesha just played, and Joan Jett came out to play with us, and we covered uh, one of her songs. And I remember not allowing it to phase me what I was doing because I didn't want to freak out that oh you know oh my God it's Joan Joan Jett, you know uh, I might have dropped a stick or something. So I just kind of ignored. That it was, you know, really anyone new playing and just kind of played the show. And then uh, I guess after the fact, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's pretty cool that that had happened. But maybe if I thought about it
0: too much at the time, I would have really screwed up. Well, you know, man, that was going to be one of my next questions. It's like whether it's one of your mistakes or something that you've seen someone else do on the industry or artist side of things. And you're like, oh, my God, I never want to do that. What's been like one or two of the lessons, the takeaways that you have learned during your time doing this again, whether it's something that you learned through your own experience or you saw someone else do it and you're like, Oh my God, I'm never going to do that.
1: Uh, It's don't buy into your own hype. Don't think that you are irreplaceable or special because when you start to do that, you start to act like an asshole. That's just the bottom line. You know, um, everyone that I've played with has been an amazing person to be around. I've never had a problem with anybody, but you know, I've seen other people act out in such ways where they thought that they were so great. They weren't that kind to maybe people in their band or their crew. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things like, uh, whoever you see on the way up, you see on the way down. I think that at times it's hard not to buy into your own hype because depending on who you're playing with, you know, to the size places, uh, that you might be playing. Um, people are telling you that you're great all day long and you have to stay grounded and realize that it's just music, you know, like you're not, you're not, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just playing drums. I didn't operate on a person and save their life. You know, it's no big deal. It's just, it's just music. It's fun you know, it's art, it's an expression. And, uh, when you start thinking that you're more important than you
0: are, you, you fall really fast. So, so that would be I, the main thing. I think that's key. Let's do one more question. It's a great place to kind of wrap things up. I love the, I love the energy and the idea of that. What's next for you? What's coming up for you this year? Because I know that you, whether you want to admit it or not, you're like a shark, man, you're always, always moving.
1: Well, uh, there's going to be some Kesha shows this year, uh, along with I'm about to go out with this uh, great new group called MKTO. They are just taking off, and and they're fantastic. Uh, I'm going to be working on some Kill Hannah music. And like I said, uh, past past that, I'm not sure. There's actually another group called Scavenger Hunt, which is L.A.-based, and I've been actually... Uh, for the last month while I've been home in uh, L.A. I've been playing with them. They're great. So, you know, I can't tell you specifically. There's, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I know is going to happen this year, but uh, that's kind of on my plate now, as far as I know.
0: But normally, I can't tell you where I'm going to be in six months. <laughs> well, man, you got a lot going so, on, dude. And you, you are a very busy individual, a very grounded individual, and a very successful individual. So... I really love that we got to do this. You and I have never gotten to do like a one-on-one interview um, outside. I know, know the, the group dynamic in Kilhanna, which is great, but this was awesome. Something I've wanted to do for a while because obviously you have so much going on and I knew that, you know, whenever we could make it happen, I really wanted to pick your brain, get some of your insight into what has been, I, I think, a very successful career in the music industry, man. So thank oh, well, you thank so much you. for taking the time.
1: Well, thank you so much. I mean, I'm, I'm normally really shy and don't do interviews, so <laughs> I don't know uh, I don't know
0: if I'm that interesting to interview, but you know, I'm glad no, that man, it was with, with you. No, man, I totally love it. Um, Elias Mallon, so much going on, man, and really like all the success couldn't be more deserved. Thank you again so much for taking time for Dynasty Podcast, man, and really I'm looking forward to seeing everything you have going on in 2014. Great, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Awesome, man. Have a good night. Take care, buddy. This has been the Chicagoverse Unlimited Podcast. Thanks to Elias Malin for being on the show this week. You can find more Dynasty Podcasts at dynastypodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Jaime Black, Dynasty Descend.